Welcome to this conversation. I'm your host, Teresa Keller. My guest today is Pamela Irvine. She is actually, I learned this morning, the founder of Feeding Southwest Virginia. In preparation for this interview, I actually went to the headquarters of Feeding Southwest Virginia in Abingdon and Pamela Irvine. I am blown away. I had no idea you are like a CEO, but it's not of a profit organization. That's correct. It's um, we're social entrepreneurs in a nonprofit industry. Well, and those fancy words translate to when I was sitting in the office at the headquarters in Abingdon this morning. What I saw is a line of people standing in the hot sun waiting for the food line to open so that they could get one hot meal. I saw two kitchens. I saw all kinds of volunteers. I saw trucks coming and going. I saw warehouses of food. That is more than just a little food bank that people might have thought of and the misconception that I had about the size of your operation. I got a list of your programs. If we just name them all, the time's going to be up. So tell me a story of what got your heart into the place where this became your mission? Well, um, actually, my husband and I, um, when we first started out and had our son, we had $25 every two weeks to buy groceries. So early on, um, I realized the challenge that family budgets have in providing enough uh, food for your family. Then I handled in Covington area uh, emergency food pantry, much like our agencies that we um, provide food for. And um, I directly served um, our neighbors through that food pantry. And so that was my start in really um, becoming very passionate about our work that we do in distributing food in our 26 county area. Well, you know, you hear these statistics and you have them in your brochures, one in eight people uh, is in, is food insecure, and you just kind of process that. Yeah, people have a hard time, but it's it's more than that. I was hearing this morning from uh, Joan Hossey, who was giving me the tour about how that they discovered one area of need of old people who can't get out of the house to go get groceries. Another was of three children whose mother got arrested, the husband was already in jail, and they went to their house. And the only thing in that house food-wise was something that was left over from one of your programs. Yes. Yes. And, and that is a, a, one of um, the sad stories that um, we have heard. And we know there are many out there. And I'm glad you brought up summer you know, feeding um, children and the importance of that because we're in the height of their summer feeding program. And um, one of the things that um, you probably didn't see or talk about when you visited our facility in Abington this morning was um, uh, the work that we do around policy. Um, for years, I've worked with their um, elected officials, our national um, congressional members, their senators um, to um, tried to uh, change a policy that restricted us specifically from feeding children in rural communities. For years, there was this policy that we could not um, be reimbursed by the federal government to provide uh, meals to children unless we watched children consume the meal. 
And so that was, in my opinion, um, discriminatory toward children that don't have great after school or summer um, site programs where they could get a congregate meal, which is a meal on site. And so we worked very hard um, for 30 some years to get that policy changed. And actually December of 2022, um, when um, uh, the, the bill, the funding bill was passed, the exemption for USDA rural communities um, was uh, provided in that um, in that policy for us to be able to distribute food and then go to the next site, distribute meals and go to the next site. And so we're seeing a drastic increase in the number of children in summer feeding sites in far Southwest Virginia, where um, most of the counties are actually eligible through USDA and qualified for us to be able to provide that service. You know, it's important government enters everything and we do rely on government for help with social programs to try to address these needs they have their policies people need to pay attention to who they vote for and what the policies are likely to be of the persons that they vote for but the point i'm trying to get to here is it's not this what i saw today is the best of all worlds it is the government working with business the businesses i know you're going to want to talk about them and then the private donations of people and the volunteer work all to simply feed people. So tell us about, okay, government, you gotta work. You gotta get the legislators on your side to get your help. What about the businesses? Uh, the businesses are extremely important and I'll give you a, a key uh, example for food. Um, we, we live off the generosity of others, whether it's food, funds or folks. And that's what you just spoke to, right? Um, and so early on, when we, when I established the food bank down in Abington, I've been traveling down in far southwest Virginia since the mid '80s, and um, established that operation down there in 1989. Uh, we looked for food donors down in that area that could provide food resources for us, and Food City actually began to um, donate to. Feeding Southwest Virginia um, initially as the first food bank that received food from Food City. And from that experience, um, actually, Steve Smith expanded donations now in multiple states to food banks, which is great. But so food bar partners are extremely important, those food donations and food donors. Financial contributions are extremely important. Um, as you stated earlier, we're a multi-million dollar food industry on a nonprofit budget, which, um, you know, um, we need support, private support um, from individuals and corporations um, that have funded us over the years. And I don't have to tell you, but, you know, in 2008 um, and 2010, when the, you know, coal mining industry started laying off and then shutting down, we had a crisis in some of the communities. Um, we have the highest food insecurity numbers in the state in Southwest Virginia. And you have some information on that, but you know, 8%, um, it's 8% of food insecurity state average. 
And when you look at many of our um, communities, they're 15% and higher, and Buchanan is 18.8%. So we had to depend on corporations and individual donors in those communities to help support that the work that we did do, and then other donors in other areas to help us provide enough resources. So food donors are important, Food City, um, Food Lion, Walmart, Sands Clubs, um, you know, even restaurants um, donate food to us and we pick up from that. And then our financial contributors, we couldn't do what we um, do without those um, corporations and um, individuals that donate um, funds to us so that we can um, provide food um, throughout those um, communities. So Pamela Irvine of Feeding Southwest Virginia, as I said, I was there this morning and I want to see if you can walk us through. I saw trucks coming and going, I saw volunteers. All right, so let's take that rural child that you were just talking about. It's summer, they're at home and they don't have enough food to eat. Somebody shows up. What all does it take? What are all the pieces and parts and steps for somebody to show up in that community with food for that child? Um, well, it, it, it comes in, a, uh, I guess, a diverse ways um, for us to be able to provide the service. One is we have the Harvest Home Meal Kitchen to go, which that is what you saw individuals lined up for this morning. Um, they get to select some um, product as well as get their meals to go. So a lot of the uh, parents uh, show up to get meals, hot meals to take home to feed the children. You also saw our children's feeding kitchen, which prepares um, nutritious meals, fresh meals for children within an hour and a half radius of that Abington distribution center. Um, we also partner with uh, Boys and Girls Club and Girls Inc. Public Libraries. That's one of the great programs that we have and been able to expand actually is public libraries. We've been working with them and um, actually rural and urban housing and development um, and trailer parks, we've been able now to take food into these low-income communities right where the children are and their families and provide those meals due to the change in that policy. So we've actually grown, um, you know, our Abington Distribution Center and sites has actually grown um, 43 to some sites, 120% of children they've been able to feed. And it goes through direct meals, it also goes through five meal, five day meal boxes. Uh, we have a great partnership with, um, for example, the Health Wagon. Um, we partnered with them because they see a lot of families during the week at their different um, mobile um, health clinics and their and their um, buildings. And so we partnered with them um, and been able to provide the meals to children that way. So it either goes out through our, our hot meal program, goes out in food boxes to families and goes to children directly into low income communities. So it really depends on where you are and what community we're working with. Okay. I want to get the more of the story and the boots on the ground. You are the CEO of this multi-million dollar nonprofit thing, and you see things from 20,000 feet, but I know you know the details. So when that truck goes out, when it's got a styrofoam box in it, or when it's got a package of food, how does that food, who gets that food to the center, to the processing center? Sounds like a bad word. Who gets the food there? How does it get there? How does it get off the trucks? How does it get boxed? How does it get packed? 
those kind of details. For the children's programs, we have to buy all the food because they have to be USDA qualified. So it has to meet all the criteria of a meal, like school lunches. So we purchase that food. Um, and then there's food that's donated through national companies that comes from all across the country based on Feeding America's relationship with national donors like Kellogg's, Quakers, and other corporate donors. And so some of that food comes in and um, comes through our doors. And then we purchase food locally as well. So we do some purchasing locally. We're doing more locally grown purchases. And so we buy it and bring it in or pick it up. We have um, food donors like Foodline and um, Food City and, and um, the other donors. So we bring it in through those donations locally. And then we transport a lot of food from Salem where our larger distribution center is twice a week to our Abington distribution center. So it comes in that way as well. So it comes from national donors, comes from local donors, some product we purchased, some products donated, and then we do get some product from the USDA uh, farm bill commodities that come through our doors as well. So again, it's the government business uh, nonprofit sectors. And please pardon the noise in the background. We had some scheduling conflicts that I wasn't aware of, and I, you're going to hear drilling in the background in our house. But so okay. I, for listeners, please forgive me. I just didn't see this one coming and planned poorly. But you mentioned Food City, and I'm actually getting ready to interview Steve Smith in another uh, week or so, and I want to hear more about his compassion and soft spot for this kind of work. But a Food City truck, when it drives up and backs in, they're taking more than just canned things off the back of that truck. Some of the stuff from Walmart, from other local businesses, seems to be like food, like the things I buy in the produce department. We do handle a lot of fresh and we actually have a, a focus now on hunger and health. One of the things you probably talked about was um, we partner now with home health care organization, hospice organizations to take food to those that are, are uh, critically ill to their homes um, as well, but we do handle a lot of produce. We have a focus now on um, a more nutritional product. So um, we concentrate on trying to find product, low sodium, low um, sugar, um, and fresh produce. Again, I apologize for the noise. <laughs> I hope people can bear listening to it. But the other thing that I saw was, again, not just produce, but I saw packages of donuts and bread and like perishable food. Yes, and we handle a lot of pressure perishable food. Again, we live off the generosity of our food donors. So we could have, we could receive anything from black jelly beans to lobster. <laughs> it really <laughs> depends on what's available and what they can donate. And, um, you know, Food City has donated a lot of product over the years. Steve Smith is very generous, has yes. been very sympathetic and also very generous towards the work that food banks do, not just our food bank, but other food banks um, in other states. And that's because he understands the needs of his customers and the demographic areas that we serve. Food City donates financial contributions as well. And he yeah. was one of the early investors in our children's um, feeding kitchen down there in Southwest Virginia. But I understand that Ballad Health has stepped up That's with a special program as well. Okay. We should mention that. 
Yes. So Ballot Health has been a funding partner now for a number of years as well. Early on, they provided funds for us to um, be able to provide more nutritional food in some of the areas where they provide um, to their patients and they have health care for their patients. Now um, they're investing in um, the Unite Us platform, which is actually a platform that we're using that all healthcare organizations in the state of Virginia and many of the state of Virginia um, services will be using this platform where individuals, we can enter individuals that say um, are food insecure or have rent um, needs or are homeless or um, need health care, we can enter them into a system. And then everyone on that platform, every organization that's on that platform can actually um, provide services to that individual. And so that's been a great partnership. Again, it, it shows the strength of healthcare partners and now food banks and distribution programs. Food insecurity is a social determinant of health. And that's been exciting to see that evolution and see healthcare recognizing that food is as vital as medicine. In fact, it's preventive. If they have the right food opportunities in life, they can be healthier as uh, people grow older. And so that's been um, a great opportunity to strengthen. So Ballad has also been a, a strong partner, funding partner. They provided volunteers and support over the last several years. So somebody had a light bulb moment and realized, well, gee, we've got nurses going into these homes. We give them medicine, we treat the people and we realize they have no food, they can't drive. And hey, maybe we could help. And that was the idea that you're talking about that came together for this program. Well, yes. So this program, um, individuals call or they need resources. And we have one staff person in Abington that directs those individuals to the multiple resources um, that is on that platform. The other piece that you're speaking to is the home health care um, services that we're providing with. And we have right now five partners, including one mental health facility. And we know mental health um, challenges are increasing every day in our communities. We're actually working with Mount Rogers as well. So we're working with several healthcare partners, not just Ballad, but um, the home healthcare and, and hospice organizations to take food directly into homes. We don't have the Amazon opportunity or delivery service that urban areas have and some of our rural communities. So we had to get very creative on how we could get food to people in their homes because we didn't have the, those resources to deliver to all the individuals that need food. So by finding these partners and being able to deliver that food to those that are chronically ill, most of them can't get out. That's why healthcare is coming into their home. And many are on hospice. And so we know that food's extremely important during that process. My guest today is Pamela Irvine. She is CEO of Feeding Southwest Virginia, running a multi-million dollar operation with more pieces and parts than you can shake a stick at as a nonprofit enterprise, all for the purpose of feeding people who are hungry and close to us and we don't even know it. And Pamela, this is a question I always enjoy asking to people who do the kind of work that you do, because I hear these voices. I've heard them in reality and I hear them in my head. Yeah. Okay. How about those 
people where they're both arrested? And what about the drug addicts? And what the what about the people who are gaming the system and you're just enabling them? Um, we hear that as well. We hear that as well. But I always say, you know, for those few, we feed the many that need it. What about the seniors that get two and three hundred dollars a month? And they don't get increases most of the time in, in their incomes. Uh, what about the children that are in a lot of homes, you know, that um, are really challenged? And you're right. You started by the story of um, the principal taking the child into the home to uh, pick up some clothing because both of her parents were incarcerated, right? Well, I, I feel we all have a social responsibility. And I say there's more corporate probably more unwise spending in a lot of different programs nationally and, you know, statewide. And what about the few that get through and slip through? Well, I say let's feed the many and um, the few that maybe slip through. Well, we've done our job. You know, and the other thing that's so interesting in this society is I always say you put on a coat and tie and you get by with a whole lot more because I think of COVID and the money that was distributed by the government to help people during COVID and these businesses who would say, oh, we've got to protect our employees when they're when everybody was working and making money and nothing had changed. And that kind of fraud, we don't fret over, but let some drug addict get a free meal. And we uh, fret over that. I heard, um, I think, I may be wrong, Brad Farmer, I think it was from Faith in Action when I asked him a similar question. And he said, you know, drug addicts got to eat too. Wow. Talk about faith in action. Well, you know, I've seen um, and I've heard, you know, stories and witnessed personally myself. Sometimes people turn their lives around when somebody just cares. Do you have stories of that, Pamela? What are the stories that that you remember most and think about often to feed your soul as you continue to work? Um, you know, um, as I've visited some of our agencies and most are faith-based, you know, throughout our service area, you know, because it's in and steeped in, in their passion and their faith to help people. And, and so many have, have shared with me and I personally have witnessed uh, handling emergency food pantry years ago, um, the kindness that happens when you're face to face and eye to eye, but heart to heart with someone when you hand them um, a box of groceries or a bag of groceries, or you take time to to ask them, you know, how they're doing. And, um, you know, particular, I think about one of um, our agencies years ago, our representative um, who has said that people say, why feed all these people? And he said, what's well, a biblical mandate to feed the orphans and the widows? And we have a lot of children may not be determined as orphans to go, but they are to a certain degree. And the fact that, you know, they're, um, many are hungry and lack resources in their family. I know that you're going to want to talk about the, the boots on the ground and the hands at work for this operation. You got a lot of volunteers if someone's hearing this and thinking, well, you know, I've got some hours to spare, maybe I could help. You're in Roanoke with your big central operation and in Abingdon with another big operation. You're called feedingsouthwestvirginia.org. Listen, my Southern there, .org. <laughs> if anybody wants to go online and find out more information. But if they're listening to this interview and think, 
oh my gosh, yeah, I forget. People are hungry who are my neighbors. What, what can I do? What's the answer? The answer is, of course, you talked to Joan this morning. So Joan Halsey is our volunteer director of volunteer services in Abington. And you can, um, you know, you go online and we have a very easy um, platform application where you can sign up to volunteer online and it will show you the opportunities that are listed. Or you can, uh, you know, visit our facility on Gravel Lake Road. Oh, man, I just found Gravel Lake Road. It's in the middle of an industry industrial park and you've got to be alert to find it. But for people who want to, find, I guess they can Google feeding Southwest Virginia and find the location and drive up there and say, I'm here. Well, you can say I'm here for a hot meal. I'm here for a box of food or I'm here to volunteer. And the address is 21. Uh, it's a 21452 gravel like road. And you're right. You have to look for it. Because you know, it's a quarry. It was a quarry gravel lake. That's what that was about. Yeah. They made gravel. <laughs> and the quarry's still up there. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and the I dust. Looked, <laughs> I looked 10 years for a facility in Abington and yeah. finally went back and chose that facility. And we moved there in 2018. We were on uh, Valley. And if you look at it, it was a little more than a garage and office. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Russell the Road. end of Valley and Russell Road, a little brick building. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. We were there for a number of years and um, it became a liability. Move more food to more people. And so we needed a, a more of a warehouse, um, you know, distribution center. But it was easier to find. <laughs> and we were worried about the Harvest Home, um, uh, you know, meal program and our neighbors that came to get their food. We were worried they wouldn't find us up on Gravel Lake Road, yeah. but they did. And so we yeah. did a good job of informing people where it was. Well, and that is a word of mouth thing, I understand, to a great deal. So if people are listening and they know of somebody who needs food... They can refer them to Feeding Southwest Virginia and these sites. You did mention seniors earlier. And, um, you know, one of the things that programs that we provide from that um, Harvest Home Kitchen is a lot of people come and pick up for the senior programs. A lot of people may know seniors who, who need yes. help. No. All right. I'm just saying feedingsouthwestvirginia.org and uh, lots of information, lots of opportunities you and your work are not necessarily handing the box of food to the hungry person. You're dealing with multi-million dollar budgets and organizations and policies and government. What's next? I mean, you've built this enormous system of helping people. Are you still trying to grow and get bigger? You know, we're trying to manage your growth a little bit, but I can tell you with the decrease in resources recently, particularly SNAP, you know, there was an increase in SNAP benefits. So the average um, family lost anywhere between $95 and $200 in SNAP benefits. They were given additional resources um, to individuals to buy food. And we were excited about that because we do know really, truly, the amount of money that um, individuals get for the SNAP benefits is not a lot. And look at the increase in, in groceries and, and the cost of many goods now. And so we're looking at one of the things that we did in partnership that we have actually with Food City is we launched our mobile marketplace, which is actually a mobile grocery store. We purchase product and then it rolls out on this truck and we um, pair it with 
one of our mobile food pantry distributions where people come and get free food, a couple hundred people at a time come to 11 sites once a month and get food. And then to some of our partner agencies and we sell groceries. We sell groceries from that truck so that we can catch individuals where they are, not necessarily if they don't have the resources to go somewhere else. So we partnered with Food City because we buy a lot of that food from Food City and some other like ASD and some local other local farmers. And then we sell groceries so they get free food and they get to buy groceries when they come to get their free food. And we launched that program two weeks, I mean, two years ago. You are amazing. Pamela Irvine. I'm, I'm not amazing. It's all these great, wonderful people that have helped us over the years. And should any of the listeners want to help, once again, feedingsouthwestvirginia.org or go for an adventure and find Gravel Lake Road in Abington and the headquarters of their operation. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Pamela, so much. Thanks to the listeners for tuning in. This is This Conversation on WEHC, Wednesdays at 6, Sundays at 2, and you can find it posted afterwards on our podcast site. You can just search for WEHC, This Conversation, or you can go to the WEHC website and find links to our podcasts and archives there. Thank you once again, everybody, Pamela, for your good work and the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you.